All right, hello everyone. Everything, let me check the sound. Sound looks good. Okay, so welcome to our last class. Uh, today we are going to be doing, uh, obviously, Uncle Vanya, Vanya on 42nd Street, uh, looking at that, that play. Um, and this was directed by Louis Mal from a kind of a, a, what you call guerrilla production done by Andre Gregory and Wallace Shawn um, with a translation by David Mamet. Um, and so we're going to jump into that play and then we'll talk about kind of uh, maybe some closing comments uh, and some, you know, general questions I might have. So first things first, uh, some housekeeping, please finish those set surveys. Those really help out a lot. Um, you know, so a, a good participation rate in those will be, will be pretty useful for me when I go in the job market. Um, what else? Uh, another thing, um, so the papers are due by tonight. Please email me if you, you need any help or have any questions about that. Um, if you have any missing work, we probably should meet and discuss. There is time to make up some missing work so that you can pass the class. So please don't just willingly fail. Um, but you'd have to get in contact with me about that. Also, the, the weekly responses, a lot of people have finished them. Some people haven't. Um, I'm going to probably email the people who haven't finished um, between today and tomorrow to see if they get it can can do that. Um, they're not worth a tremendous amount. You know, if you're missing like two, that's worth two points on your your overall grade. Um, so you could still pass the class and obviously not do them. However, you know, it, it, they're they're not particularly difficult, so you might want to. What else do we have to say? Okay. Um, then we have the final exam on Friday. What we'll do is we'll meet in this room, at which point I will post the final exam to the course content area, and then you'll have the two hours to do it, and then email it back to me. Okay? So you, you will have to, to meet here again on, on Friday at that time, which I think is, it's like 8.30 to 10.30 or 8 to 10, something like that. Uh, you could check in the, the PeopleSoft. Actually, you can't check right now because PeopleSoft is down. Um, but, you know, when it's up again. Um, lastly, in terms of a study time, I'm going to open this line up, this, this classroom again, send an invite out to everyone at our times on Wednesday and Friday in case somebody wants to come in and ask questions. You could also talk to one another if, if that's what you prefer to do. Um, you know, whatever really works for you guys, but you'll have uh, chances on Wednesday and Friday to ask me questions or ask one another questions, even though you're not obliged to. You can, of course, meet with me at other times. Uh, just email me and let me know if those study times don't work for you guys. Um, I think it's, it's, I believe it's Friday for you guys, the Friday of finals week. So what is that? I, th I believe it's the 18th. 
Um, the I, I know I have one on the 18th. I'm, I'm giving one on the 18th and one on the 19th. So I don't exactly remember which one is uh, which. I think you guys are the 18th. Um, I would check on PeopleSoft, but it's it's going to be down, I think, for another day or two. So, you know. That, 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 probably. I think my, my answer is uh, probably on the 18th. Okay. Um, any other questions about any of that? Okay. Yeah. So if you are missing a big assignment, so there's, there was three big assignments. Um, by midnight tonight, you should have the third one in. Uh, if you haven't had it in already, if, you, if you're missing a big assignment, please email me so that we could work something out. Um, I know a few people have had some um, troubles this semester, and you know, and obviously that will be taken into consideration. Um, if you have contacted me about it already and we've come up with a plan, I know I've I've done that with a few people. You know, then please stick to the plan. If you, if you can't stick to the plan, then contact me, and we'll come up with something to do. All right, it's it's kind of better to. You know, if you want to just, um, I mean, you don't have to fail this class, is my point. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, you, you're probably not going to get an A at this point if you haven't <laughs> done any of the assignments. Um, but I can obviously work with you to, you know, make things, uh, make things a little better. At least make the class worth the money you paid for it, right? You could at least pass it. Okay? Um but yeah, so that is that. We have an extremely low turnout today for our final class. But anyway, so I'm going to stop talking now. If anybody has any questions, um, type them in the chat box or just turn on your mic and, and say it. But I think we're going to jump into Chekhov because we don't have a lot of time to deal with, with him. So Chekhov, as we talked about last time, Anton Chekhov was a country doctor. So Dr. Astroff um, is, is somewhat based on Chekhov. It's, you know, not exactly, but the, the doctor figures in his plays, they, each play tends to have a doctor figure. Um, they're usually based on, on Chekhov, his idea of himself. And he turned short story writer and was a pretty successful short story writer in the, the later 19th century. He wrote a few plays early on, and then he wrote one play that had a major production titled The Seagull. This initial production was a huge failure, and he kind of said, I will never write again. Um, what ended up happening was the production itself kind of didn't get the play. Also, apparently a lot of the actors didn't know their lines, so the, the production was a huge problem. And... What ended up happening was a, an associate of his, uh, Emilia Vdenchenko, found the play and re redid it. And he, him, and his partner Konstantin Stanislavsky, um, opened up the play with the Moscow Art Theater, and they put on um, a new production of the Seagull, and it became a huge, huge hit. And even today, the Moscow Art Theater, which sort of survives in its initial form. It sort of survived communism. Um, 
and kind of moved locations. But anyway, in the curtain, on the curtain, is an image of a seagull. So that's that's how important this play was to that theater and to Russian theater generally. Up to this point, Russian theater had been, since the 18th century, really much more kind of romantic and melodramatic, kind of like everywhere else, really. Um, there was a lot of censorship in in Russia and... What you start to see by the late 19th century is really kind of a literary flourishing. And so you could think of all the uh, all the great writers who come out of this era, not just Chekhov, but Gogol, um, uh, 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 sorry, Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, they're all writing in this time period. Um, I think Dostoevsky is dead by this point, and, uh, and Tolstoy is a fairly old man. He dies in 1910. Um, this play was written in I, I, late 1890s, 1897 or 1898, and then it was produced the year after, 1898 or 1899. Um, and it was also a big success. Stanislavski, who is famous as an acting teacher and writer on performance, he played Astrov in this. He was the first Astrov. Um, and yeah, it was, it was another big success. It's based on an earlier play, a kind of less well-known play by Chekhov called The Wood Demon, and he sort of rewrote it as Uncle Vanya. Um, yeah, and one of the reasons for the success of the Chekhov plays and of the Moscow Art Theater was Stanislavski and his techniques for creating realistic acting. This has become the system by which we train young actors today. Uh, anybody who is an actor or going into performance is probably at some point going to take a class in Stanislavski or encounter his work in one of his classes. He did write uh, four major books, a trilogy on acting, an actor prepares, building a character, creating a role, and then he also wrote My Life in Art, which is his kind of artistic autobiography. Um, Stanislavski was translated in the 1930s, apparently quite poorly, and so a lot of what Americans inherited, and really Americans flocked to Stanislavski, and the, the generation that learned from these translations, they became the method actors. So the people in America in theater from the 1930s and 1940s became the first generation of method actors, and a lot of them became teachers, people like... Um, uh, uh, Stella Adler and, and them, and then the generation after they became um, kind of big Hollywood stars. Montgomery Cliff was the first, and then we all know, you know, the story of Marlon Brando, and then the generation after that is still alive and working today, albeit like in their 70s and 80s, but yeah, they're, they're still around. Um, however, the with and understanding that the translation apparently wasn't very good, and also Stanislavski changes over the course of his trilogy, uh, over the course of his four books. Um, what you see in uh, creating, in preparing a role, is in a lot of ways different from the third book, creating a character. One has a kind of, um, is written in a narrative form. It's actually the story of a young actor um, training with a director. And then the, the last one is really this kind of schematic of how to 
how to create a character using the, you know, go, going down a list, basically a checklist of things you have to do. Um, these are uh, not exactly the same type of system. Um, and so what ends up evolving is a lot of different acting teachers um, glomming on to different aspects of, of Stanislavski's, um, his technique. And that's when you get, you know, a, a number of different teachers who are approaching it from different ways. But anyway, so Stanislavski is the, um, he's the big reason, right, for, uh, uh, for this, um, you know, big, uh, probably the, this, this big discovery of, uh, um, of Chekhov and the reason why Chekhov was established and so important. Okay, so let's get actually into the play itself, uh, and we'll start with opening comments. Um, what did you guys think of of the play and especially of the movie? So we only really had to watch, I mean, the, the assignment was the movie. So any thoughts on, on the film itself or on what the film did, what the, the film style was? Okay, so, so Louis Maul and Andre Gregory were the, the two makers of the film. I guess I could talk a little bit about that. Um, Andre Gregory and Wallace Shawn. Shawn played uh, Vanya, the, the title character in this production. Um, what they had done for a number of years was working in, um, working in theater. Uh, they would go into these kind of abandoned theaters in Times Square uh, back in the early 1990s. Back in the early 1990s, it's kind of hard to imagine now, um, the theater, the Broadway theater scene was was pretty derelict. There wasn't, a lot of these theaters weren't even occupied. And they would go into abandoned theaters with an acting troupe and just work on Uncle Vanya. And Louis Mal, who's a, a fairly famous filmmaker, probably known for Atlantic City with Susan Sarandon, um, he then filmed them doing, you know, doing rehearsal uh, or actually putting on a, a production and then, the, you know, the people coming in and out. So the, the man in the play who's talking to them is uh, Andre Gregory. He's known for uh, a few things on film. My Dinner with Andre is one of them, which is Wallace Shawn and Andre Gregory 
having a conversation. Um, they also together, as along with the doctor who played um, Astrov, did a version of uh, Ibsen's The Master Builder, which was out more recently and apparently isn't as good. Um, but the, those are kind of the, the collaborations between Sean, Gregory, and then Louis Maul. Um, yeah, so that that's the production, and that's what's going on there. That's why the production is in kind of an abandoned theater, because that's what they were doing. And they had gotten this collection of actors together. Um, so let's talk about the, the play, because... The play is, I think, very different from everything we've we've gone to before this. Uh, what would you say, like, a major difference is? So maybe the, the action of the play, right? A, a lot of the plays you read have, okay, a lot of the plays you read have major actions that occur in them. So what would be, um, let's think about the kind of the action, you know, a lot of plays build to, um, build to a climax and then there is, you know, the, the downward slope after the climax, right? Um, the, the denouement, it goes down after that. How does this play build to the major action, and, and what is that major action? We'll start there. What is that major action? Well, what happens in, in the play?
right. So the the maybe one of the differences here between this and Ibsen um, and plays before this is that the major action is sort of a, a non-action. What we have in Act Three is that the professor, who's in, married to Yelena, the the female lead played by Julianne Moore, um, he decides to sell the estate. Right, he's going to to sell it, and then they're going to get a villa in Finland and live there, and uh, and take the money from the estate and invest it in government bonds, which he thinks can can get a higher rate of interest than the return on the money from the estate. Um, and how does Vanya respond to that? So he he goes shooting, right? He gets a gun, and he kind of makes a half-hearted effort to to shoot the professor. It seems more of a a display of rage um, than anything. He says that you know this this place was for Sonia, um, his niece, and you know she owns it. And then you know he's not thinking of everyone else when he's doing what he's doing. Right, so that that's what's happening there. So let's take a look. Let's see how long that scene is. Let's take a look at that. Actually, you know what? Let, let's hold off on that, just because we have, you know, less than half an hour. Um, so that's what happens there. And, um, and it seems like the the professor doesn't really have a good grasp of the the kind of uh, effect he's having in the world, you know, that there's this idea of him being this kind of man with his head in the clouds and the, the history of Vanya, Sonia and the professor is that the professor was and kind of still is, you know, a, a, a professor of the arts. He studied the arts and, and taught them and all that. And, um, He's since then retired and, um, or you get the impression kind of forced out. And what we discover is that it seems like Vanya says he's never written his great work. And the professor had married Vanya's, Vanya's daughter and had Sonia and then, uh, not Vanya's daughter, excuse me, Vanya's sister. And then, um, 
she had died and he had remarried this um, younger woman, a woman who's, uh, I think she is 26. Yelena is 26 in this play, and he is obviously, you know, probably in his 60s by this point. Um, and so, yeah, that that is what's happening in this play. And so Vanya and Yelena had worked on the estate and apparently sent him a lot of money to support him in his studies. And it seems like Vanya feels that he has been been cheated out of this because of, um, you know, because of the fact that he gave up. He thinks he gave up his life to kind of support this professor who you know, really kind of wasn't wasn't worth it, never really produced the great work. Um, and the professor himself seems kind of ignorant of uh, of what sacrifices people made. And so when, when Vanya confronts him, you end up getting this, um, the kind of the little bit more of the story of the farm. And this is from, from Act 3. So all Chekhov plays are divided, uh, for the most part, the major ones, are divided into four acts. Uh, and they are, you know, act obviously act one, two, three, four. And the third act is when the big blow up occurs. And, um, Chekhov is less interested in the big blow up, uh, in the sense that he's less interested in it, um, being like a very, very dramatic thing. Very often it, most of the play is focused on people sitting around and talking. And so the, the major dramatic action often, um, might in some ways appear, anticlimactical. Uh, but anyway, let's take a look at, at what Vanya says to, to the professor. Um, uh, so this is the professor. Serbayakov is his name. And he says, uh, I don't understand why you're in such a state. I don't stay. I don't say my solution is ideal. His solution of selling the the estate and moving to Finland. Um, if everyone dislikes it, I won't insist. Uh, and then the, the servant waffles, as he's known, says, I not only greatly respect scholarship, Your Excellency, but I'm related to it. My brother, Gregory Ilyich's wife's brother, Mr. Konstantin Tropmyomvich Lekdemyinov, who you may know holds a degree of Master of Arts, and then Vanya cuts in and he says, not now, Waffles. This is business to the professor. As a matter of fact, his uncle sold us the estate. Ask him. Ask him what, says the professor. Uncle Vanya. We brought it for 95,000 rubles. Father had only 70,000, so we were 25,000 in debt. Now listen carefully. This estate could never have been brought at all if it had not given up, if I hadn't given up my inheritance in favor of my sister, whom I dearly loved. And then it took me ten years of working like an ox to pay off the debt. I'm sorry I brought it up, Uncle Vanya. The estate is here and free from debt. It's because of me, and now I'm old and you want to throw me out. Um, the professor. What are you trying to say, Vanya? 
For 25 years I ran this estate for you. I worked hard. I sent you money like a good steward. And I, and did you once thank me? For the whole time, from my youth till now, I received from you 500 rubles a year. My wages, nothing. Did you once think to raise that amount by a single ruble? Um, and so we have here this... Um, this professor who, for all his worldliness and understanding, kind of misses the tragedy of the mundane, right? That that um, Vanya, who is now forty-seven, which in a Russian winter, for you know, forty-seven is is kind of like fifty-seven. It's, it's a bit. It's not like our forty-seven. That's a hard forty-seven. Um, you know, it's it's more like a boxer's forty-seven. But he he sees his life as being over, as he him being old now. And a lot of people, you know, they they agree with him. Um, and so the um, the idea here is that. You have this this professor, this this insightful man who misses the tragedy of the mundane. Who there's this kind of normal world that he can't see, and he often says, "I am not a practical man," which is really means I'm not a man of business. But it also has this kind of double meaning within the play of um, I'm not a man who can see people, right? I'm not a man who experiences. Uh, the the kind of the the everyday ebb and flow for him the everyday ebb and flow is is you know dealing with rheumatism or gout he can't seem to decide which one he has and um and so that's that's his story and a lot of the the conflict of the play the major line of conflict in the play is that he is here creating um and his kind of existence is, has created problems. He has a young wife who doesn't love him. Um, there are two men, Astrov and Vanya, who are in love with her. She seems to be in love with Astrov. Sonia is in love with Astrov. So, you know, there's these kind of various love triangles. Um, and none of them fire. No, nothing happens, right? You know, just as the gun never hits its target the bullets and the gun never hit the target the these love affairs never come of anything you know yelena never goes off with astrov um she never finds vanya attractive vanya is never either freed from the, the estate the estate appears that it's not going to be sold they're just going to get back to work um and you know uh sonia never goes away with Astrov either. So we end in a, a kind of an inert place. And what's transcendent about it is, you know, the conversations, the ability for these these people, for these characters to kind of observe their their inert state. Okay? Uh, so so that's the main conflict. And let's look at some of the other characters. So there's probably the most popular character uh amongst amongst the male characters would be Dr. Astrov. And he is um he is someone unlike the rest of them who has a a passion. Right? That seems to be what makes him so appealing. Because he is considered very appealing to these people. They think he is um you know, he's he's quite attractive. Uh, 
the the Yelena and Sonia both find him to be very handsome, but I think a lot of that is also attached to he is invested in things. He's the one character in this this movie or this play who is invested in uh, something outside of himself. And what that is is a, his efforts towards conservation. He's interested in kind of preserving the natural world. Um, you know, and, and that's the type of work he wants to do. And it's very distinct from his, his doctorly work. His doctorly work, his doctoring, um, it, you know, it, it leaves him exhausted. He hasn't, as he said, taken a, in the first act, hasn't taken a break in, in a month. Um, he's waking up, in the, he, he's woken in the middle of the night very often. Um, and he, they often, a lot of these characters will say they've grown old before their time because they're overworked. And that seems to be the condition at the beginning of this play. Uh, and as it goes on, what ends up happening is by, we, we start to see by the third act, there's a sort of um, sedentariness that sets in. You know, uh, Astroff has been here, you know, he used to come now and then, now he's just sort of staying there, he visits there every day, he sometimes sleeps there, and he has a little desk in, in Uncle Vanya's house where he works on his maps, his, his maps of um, kind of environmental degradation. He's able to show how the woods have been degraded over the course of 30 years. Um, but the, these characters really aren't doing anything. And they say that about Uncle Vanya, too. He's kind of stopped working. Um, and and we see this, especially actually in Act 2, even, where, um, where you know, uh, Sonia comes in and sort of chastises Vanya for, for not working, for his idleness. Um, and so, and Astrov also uh, notices this in um, Yelena, the female lead, who is also idle, right? And here is, um, here's Astrov and Sonia talking, right? So Sonia is the uh, daughter of the professor, and she's talking to Astrov about this. Um, and Astrov says, I couldn't live a month in your house. The atmosphere is stifling. Your father with his gout, his books, your uncle Vanya with his regrets, your grandmother, and of course, your stepmother. Sonia, what about my stepmother? Astrov, everything in a human being should be beautiful. Face, habits, soul, thoughts. There's no doubt she's beautiful, but what does she do all day? Eat, sleep, go for walks, charm us, and that's all? She has no responsibilities. Others work for her. Isn't that so? Being aimless is not good. But maybe I'm too harsh. I'm a malcontent like your uncle. We're a pair of complainers. Are you really a malcontent? Astrov. No, I like living well enough, but I hate our everyday Russia mediocrity. Our provincial habits are contemptible. As for my private life, there is none. When you're in the forest at night, if you see a light in the distance, you forget fatigue, the darkness, the branches hitting your face. I work hard, harder than anyone in the district. You know that. One thing after another hits me in the face until sometimes I feel I can't go on. But there's no light in the distance. I don't expect one. I don't even like people. 
I have loved no one for a long time. Okay. So, you know, there's this, this idea there that, um, that there's nothing, uh, that he's kind of worked to the bone. Um, and compared to this is Yelena, right? She eats, sleeps, goes for walks, charms us, and that's all. She's no responsibilities. Others work for her. Being aimless is not good. And that's kind of a, a that is what ends up happening here throughout this play is over time, um, over time we see that, uh, that the kind of effect of, of Yelena or the effect of this home is that, you know, people stop working. Um, you know, we also see that with, uh, with Sonia and Vanya, right? And Sonia starts accusing Vanya of, um, you know, the haze in, it rains every day, the crops are rotting. And you talk about pretending you've abandoned the estate. The estates are my soldiers. I'm tired etc. So there's this kind of feeling of idleness that's beginning to creep in at this point in their lives, just because there hasn't been kind of a, a you know, the, the, the definite aim has been lost. It's become just work for the sake of work, and that's beginning to, to kind of tire them out. And so by the end of the play, um, once we realize none of these love affairs are going to happen, uh, that they can't happen, that they're basically just causing everyone pain. Um, in the end, uh, Yelena and the professor, they go off back to town. Um, and Astrov swears he, you know, won't come again. And he says he can't come again anyway. And he goes back to his estate. And then, you know, we, we get the, uh, the final monologue by Sonia. And and that's kind of how the, the Chekhov plays work. Some of them are more dramatic. So the seagull ends with suicide. Um, the, his, his fourth play ends with um, uh, the, the, their version of the estate. In this case, it's the cherry orchard is sold. And at the end, you hear the sounds of saws as the cherry orchard is being chopped down. Um, uh, but I think this play is the play really more about uh, stasis than anything. It's about um, really not being able to change or, or not being able to, to start life anew. And these characters talk about that. They talk about um, to, to begin again, to begin something new, to start anew. And they're given some opportunities with one another, but they sort of can't see it in themselves. And part of that is they're sort of trapped in this cycle of work where they're bound to the, this estate that they have to manage, um, which they seem to hate, but where else will they go? Uh, or they're just, you know, they're not going to find any relief from each other. Sonia and Astrov are not going to be an item, even if that would make things kind of a little happier. Um, and the only kind of relief for these characters in the end seems to be sort of a reflection on death, which is the, the final monologue of the play, is that there is no kind of peace or happiness in these people's lives, but they have to, to continue on. Um, you know. And what you end up having then is this sort of clash of lived history and 
um, and change and the the kind of lived history the the estate as it was um, you know it it's become kind of a drain right the history of the estate their their past history has become a drain it's become a trap and there's this idea of moving on of, of spontaneously um, reestablishing yourself and that can't happen and so that ends up being kind of this tension between what we want to happen and this past okay uh, so let's talk about um, let's close up then we have 10 minutes left in our semester uh, so let's close up and we talk about um, we'll talk about maybe what plays did people like the most uh, what plays did people you know maybe want to not have to read again or you know would, would take off the syllabus if they could do this again so what did what plays did people prefer i really liked um the country wife oh, and okay. child love those were like my two favorite plays and what was the second one i'm sorry triumph of love Oh, triumph of love. Sorry. Okay. Great. All right. Um, good. So keep 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 the baroque. Keep the neoclassical in there. Okay. Good. Any any other plays that people were really really into, really liked? Okay. As you like it. How about anything that people want taken off? Um, I personally didn't like uh, the Nathan the Wise one. Mm -hmm. And I thought um, King Lear was also not my favorite. Mm -hmm. So okay. I, I suspected that especially about Nathan the Wise. Was anybody else, um, was anybody else uh, not hugely fond of Nathan the Wise? Nathan the Wise was kind of an experiment on my part to see if, <laughs> to see how that would go. Yeah, I agree with mm -hmm. Christina. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Nathan the Wise was, the, the idea of Nathan the Wise was to give a, a sort of um, enlightenment play and to see how those kind of ideas trace from Nathan the Wise really through, even through Hedda Gabler, right? Because Enlightenment gets um, altered or responded to via the Romantics, and then the the realists and naturalists are responding to the Romantics. So there's this sort of domino effect. Um, but maybe maybe a different kind of Enlightenment era play, something, <laughs> something a little... Um, I don't know, a little more... Mm, what what didn't people like about Nathan the Wise? Maybe that'll help. Um, It was just, like, pretty long and kind of boring and, mm. like, it was kind of hard to follow, too. Mm -hmm. So that's why I didn't like it. Okay. Okay. So it seems like Nathan the Wise is the one to, to get rid of. Um... Got any other plays outside of Nathan the Wise? How about the Braggard Soldier? Mm 
that was one that was also kind of an experiment. A lot of syllable, syllabi tend to leave off the Romans. They're just sort of considered not as good as, as everyone else. Um, or do we not remember the record soldier at this point? <laughs> it was back in September when we did it. That one's honestly a little fuzzy, but I don't mm -hmm. remember disliking it particularly. Mm -hmm. Especially not as much as the other ones. I also didn't like Every Man. I thought that one was really hard to read. Okay. Yeah, Every Man's a little more of a standard, sort of a greatest hits type play. I might do like the second Shepherd's play instead, which is another greatest hits play of that era. Okay. So, Vivian, you. Uh, you liked um, the Breckert Soldier? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Ah, Voidsack, yeah. <laughs> I thought people would like Voidsack more. Right? I was excited to do Voidsack because he's, he, in Bookner, if you read like his collected works, there's not a lot because he died at 24 or 23, but, you know, like Danton's death is also a really weird play. Um, but I thought people would like Wojciech. Wojciech is a little more famous than Danton's death, and it's also one-fourth the length. So, I th you know, thought people might like, you know, the 30-page the play instead of the 120-page play. Um, so I thought, I thought Wojciech would be more popular. It seemed like there wasn't a lot of response to it. I actually really liked that play as well. Oh, okay. Okay, good. So keep Voidsec, get rid of Nathan the Wise. Um, so another question. We have five minutes left in our, our semester. Uh, last question will be, um, do you, excuse me, should we have done more or fewer plays, do you think? And, and or more or fewer uh, videos of the plays? I thought some of the plays were like particularly lengthy except if they were paired with like a video that we could have watched that was mm -hmm. like that like that was fine like if it was like a 300 page play but it had like a movie to go along with it then I thought that that was like fine but so I thought some of them were long I didn't think it was like too much work, mm -hmm. but that was just my opinion. Okay. All right, so maybe more, more videos. Okay. All right, good. So. Yeah, maybe try and get more productions of um, of the stuff. All right. Yeah, we were sometimes a little limited this time around because of because uh, we had to do with what was on the library website <laughs> as opposed to bringing in things. Um, good. Uh, great. So let's let's stop there. I was going to ask another question, but I said that would be my last question, so I'll let it be. Um, and we'll stop there. We can, we can end a few minutes early uh, if you guys want to finish up your papers. 
Um, and I'll just thank everyone for this semester. Uh, I Maybe I'll see some of you again over the week um, or in a meeting if you need it. If not, um, good luck with everything. And I uh, can't wait to read your final papers. Um, fill out the set survey and you can use the podcast. All our classes are recorded and available to you with via that link I sent. So you could use that to, to help study. Um, and uh, best of luck on your exams. Thank you. Thank you.